Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Happy New Year to each and every one of you, and uh, thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord this first service of the year. And uh, let's jump very quickly into the Word of God this morning, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. I don't know about any of you, but I did stay up and see the new year come in, and my schedule has been off ever since. Yesterday, I was just like, I didn't even know what day it was yesterday, but Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 16. Verse number 16. This I say then... Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then jumping down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. And that's the title of my message this morning, stealing it from Paul in Galatians, walk in the Spirit. Amen. Would you lift your voices one more time? Let's pray right now. Father, we love you today. Lord, we're thankful to be gathered in your house, standing in your presence. We just ask that you would anoint your word this morning, God. Prepare our hearts to receive it. Lord, we want to hear your voice today. Speak to us in the name of Jesus, we ask, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated today, and this might seem like a silly question, but how many of you would love to see something uh, different in 2022? How many, or, okay, a few of you, so the rest of you just loved last year, like you loved every part of it. Like you would like, somebody's like, I would like a repeat of last year, please. Amen. So we would like to see something different. And I'm not, I'm not just referring to, you know, we want to see the end of the pandemic and we want to see, you know, I'm not talking about the complications that we've been, our, our country has been involved in and beyond, but I'm guessing that there are a lot of you Uh, that would like something to be different in your own personal life this next year. You see, a new year is a a fresh start, and uh, it's a a good reminder to learn from the past. Uh, It's it's like a clean slate. This clean slate is like grace. It's brand new. It's like turning the page of a book uh, to a new chapter. And I don't think anyone in here would say, you know, I was joking about it earlier, but I don't think anybody would say, I want a repeat of next year. I don't think anybody would say that. Uh, I think there are a lot of you that are just ecstatic that this is an exciting time of year. 
for me, I was telling Mallory, the worst part of the year for me is the time between Christmas and New Year's. I just feel like it's dead in those few days that we have. Sorry for being just so blunt about it, but that's how I feel. You know, I just, I said, Christmas, I feel, should be the last day of the year. It's just like the climax, the pinnacle, let's open presents and then boom, New Year. But we have those few days that we have to get through. Uh, But I think that this is an exciting time of year. There are some of you that are absolutely thrilled right now that you could, uh, and I don't know what any of your resolutions are. I don't even know if you have any resolutions, but I know that the majority of the world, uh, this is a time where we're like, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get healthier this next year, and we're going to lose some weight, and we're going to, some of you might want to pay off some debt. Others of you, maybe you're praying that God would give you I don't know, a better marriage, or maybe you're hoping that in this next year you become closer to God. I'm guessing that almost all of you have some area of your life like me where you're hoping for something to be different this year. And perhaps you even have a goal or or some type of resolution where you're thinking this year in 2022 is it's finally going to be year going to be the year that I'm going to accomplish something or I'm going to stop doing something or whatever it is this is going to be the year and maybe you even started last year out strong but unfortunately if you're like most people they say that I think it's 72% of new year's resolutions resolutions fell uh, fail by uh, Valentine's Day, 70-some percent fail by Valentine's Day. And so maybe that's where you were. Maybe you started off last year strong, and, and you it was a good attempt, but your good attempt failed relatively quickly. Why is it so often that we have really, really good intentions, we want to change, and yet we find it so difficult to make the changes in our life. Change is not an easy thing. It's a rather difficult thing. But why is it whenever we set out to make change, whenever we set out to have change and experience change, it is something that is so difficult. What I want to do this morning is I want to look at very specifically, how do we choose what's best in our life? How do we choose what's best? And, and, and we're going to look today at a guy that I promise you he's going to encourage you. If you've ever felt like you just can't figure it out or why you, why you do the wrong thing, believe me when I tell you that the Apostle Paul, he's going to make you feel way, way better about yourself today. I want to give you a little bit of a context about Paul. If you don't know, the Apostle Paul was a guy that experienced and encountered the risen Christ, literally experienced him. Here's a guy that God used to raise the dead. The Apostle Paul, he wrote a third of the New Testament, and as close to God as he was and as impactful in his ministry that he was and that he had become, I want to show you the words that he said in Romans 7. He said this, and it makes me feel so much better about myself. He said this, I don't really understand myself. Anybody ever felt like that before? I don't really understand myself. 
I, I don't get a, one scripture says that, uh, one version says, I'm a, I'm a mystery to myself. I, we felt in that way. And this is what he says. He said, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He said, I want to do the right thing, but I, I can't do it. And I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but that's what I end up doing anyways. He sounds... He almost sounds crazy, but in a way that's so endearing. <laughs> and then he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He's saying, who can help me change? Who can help me get better? Who can help me do what I want to do? Who can help me stop doing what I don't want to do? Is there anything you want to stop doing in this new year? I'm excited to talk to you about this subject that I really believe can impact your life because it's a subject that really has gotten a, a, a bad reputation, a bad rap. What I what I want to do is I want to talk to you this morning about the gift of discipline, the gift of discipline. Look at your neighbor say discipline, discipline. Now, the moment I say discipline, uh, a lot of you are like, ah, I'm not disciplined. I, I don't want to talk about being disciplined because I'm not a disciplined person. There are people out there that are disciplined. I'm not that person. That's what probably some of you are feeling right now. Discipline has gotten a bad rap, and what I want to do is give you a very simple definition that kind of, for me, it really puts it on the bottom shelf to say, hey, that's really attainable. Like, that is actually doable. I love to hear things and read things and, and things that I can apply to my life. Like, that's, that's easy. That's low-hanging fruit. I can do those things. And so I want to give you this very simple definition of what discipline is. What is discipline? A very simple definition definition of discipline is this. It is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Choosing what you want most over what you want right now. Discipline, with the, with the help of God, is choosing what you want most over what you want right now. And what's funny is when you think about it, most people, most of us, we want similar things, right? Most of us want similar things. In almost every area, every major area of life, we want similar things, but the results are vastly different. For example, those of you that if you are married, chances are pretty good that you want a marriage that is full of trust, that is full of love, right? You want that. You want a strong marriage. I don't know anyone who's ever said, I want to be divorced four times by the time I turn 40. I, I, I want a wrecked relationship three to four times by the turn, time I'm 45. Nobody wants Everybody wants a good marriage. We want similar things. And the same applies to our health. Most people say, I want to feel good. I want to be healthy. I want to look good. Nobody says my goal is to be out. Nobody says my goal is I want to be completely winded after walking one flight of stairs. Nobody. Nobody is saying that. 
Nobody wants that. We want similar things. It, it, it could go on and on and on. It could be about our finances. What do people want? We, we want to be a blessing to others. We, 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 we don't want to worry about money. We want some freedom. We want some security. Nobody says, my goal is to make it from paycheck to paycheck. Nobody sets out to be in that position. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to, uh, I, I just want to count out my pennies, live paycheck to paycheck. I love fighting with my family and, and telling them, no, you can't do that and fight. You know, nobody's goal is bankruptcy, right? Nobody says, I want to file bankruptcy. That's not, nobody does that. So what happens? So many of us, we want similar things, but we end up with tremendously different results. Why? Why? We want the same thing. We have the same goals. We're after the same things. But what we need to recognize is desires don't determine who you become. Discipline determines who you become. Desires don't determine what you do. Discipline determines what you do. In other words, Hoping for a better life won't bring a better life. Habits that honor God, though, will bring a better life. Why is it that we want perhaps to be more disciplined, but we end up failing? Why is it that we try so hard, but we fall short? One of the reasons I want to give you is because of this. I want you to hear me. Willpower doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work. We, we, think, we think that it does, but it doesn't. Willpower is a lot like a muscle. All right, we go to the gym three to four times a week, four times. It's a good week for me, right, Tomas? Or four All right, we go to the gym. There's a reason that I don't work out shoulders on Monday and then come back on Tuesday and work out shoulders and then come back on Wednesday and work out shoulders, Right? That muscle gets tired. It gets strained. I put it under so much, uh, so much pressure. It's fatigue, and its power starts to wane. It gets willpower is the same way, right? And once you start to work something so hard, it becomes fatigued. And you know this because you have some willpower for a little while, right? But it starts to get tired. It starts to wane. Let's say that somebody brings donuts in your office, which you know that they're going to do tomorrow morning, right? And you have already written out, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay away from sweets, and I'm going to do this, and you're trying not to eat sweets right now. Somebody's going to bring in donuts, and what's going to happen? You're going to walk by the donuts with great confidence. Then the second time, you get a little bit closer, I don't need that chocolate long, John, in the name of Jesus. I don't need that. Right? Right? Will, you got willpower. The fourth time you walk by, you think, I'm just going to touch it. I'm just going to. Yes. Smelling is the next step. I'm just going to get down and smell it. I want to make sure it's safe for everybody to eat here. The next time you walk by, you break it in half and you celebrate that you're only eating half a donut.
Then 10 minutes later, you come and you eat the other half. And you're like, I had such will. I love people that eat food in halves, like thinking like, man, I'm so like healthy. I'm good at myself. No, you just, you ate a full sandwich. You ate it half uh, uh, at a time. Yeah, but that's the deal. But you'll still celebrate yourself for the donut because you think that, oh, I weighed it and I spread it out over a certain amount of time. What happens, can't wait for y'all to look at the donuts tomorrow morning. (laughs) What happens is willpower doesn't work for long because eventually it starts to wane. It starts to fade, which is a real problem when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Because think about it. If we're Christians, we're followers of Christ, what do we know? What do we know? We know that we're supposed to do good, that that our lives are supposed to honor God, that we're supposed to be, as Sister Rice said, pleasing unto him, and we're not supposed to do bad, right? We, We know we're supposed to do good, Brother Owen, right? We know we're supposed to do good. We know we're supposed to read our Bible. We know we're supposed to pray. We know we're supposed to witness and be a good witness. We know we're not supposed to yell at people at the store, right? We know those things. We know we're supposed to be nice to our families and our children, and we try and we try, but eventually our sinful desires start to overwhelm our waning what? Willpower. Willpower. And what do we do? We give in. And without even knowing it, we look back and say, I took it, I did it, I touched it, I smelled it, I ate the whole thing. Right? We look back, and, and have you noticed this before? That before you fail, before you mess up, before you give in and you do whatever you didn't want to do or can't do what you wanted to do, before you fail, have you ever noticed what the, what the cry or what the voice of the enemy is saying? Right before you fail, they say something. You're looking at something, wanting to do something. You know it's wrong, and the enemy will say it's no big deal. It's, no, it's not a big deal. Go ahead. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Everybody else is doing it. You're not hurting anybody. It's not any big deal. Before you fail, have you noticed how your spiritual enemy tends to minimize the consequences of any kind of wrongdoing? of any kind of failure. But after you do it, what does that same voice come back and say? The same one that minimizes it then connects your failure with your identity and says, that's who you are. You're a failure. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You, you are worthless. You, you, you will never, ever be able to change. The same voice that says just a few minutes ago, hey, it's not a big deal, comes back and says, nope, that's who you are. You're a failure. You're a mess up. You're a train wreck. You can never be any of this that you set out to be. Before you fail, your enemy minimizes it. He minimizes it. Afterwards, he starts to connect your failure to your identity. And this is so important. Why? Because the key to really changing starts with our identity. The key to really changing starts with our identity. 
And I want you to watch whenever the Apostle Paul was struggling the most. You can see the root of his problem in this particular dilemma when he defines his identity this way. What did he say in verse 24, Romans 7? He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Another translation says, oh, what a wretched man that I am. Because Why? Because I'm bad. I'm pathetic. I can't do what I want. I end up doing the wrong thing. And he enters into this cycle of shame, and I'm going to show it to you. Why is it that we have such a difficult time changing? Because fundamentally, oftentimes, we believe, I don't have what it takes. I am incomplete. I, we believe that we are bad. And so because by nature itself, we think we're bad, what are we going to do? We're going to try really, really hard. We're going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Whatever it is, we're going to try. I'm going to try to wake up early tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to try not to hit the snooze button. I'm going to, I'm going to try to go to the gym. I'm going to go do 10 sit-ups a day. I'm going to stop eating carbs. I'm going to stop spending more than I have. I'm going to try not to do this stuff. I'm going to start being well, and, and I'm going to start being generous. And then once you try for a little while, You may have some success, but eventually our willpower fades and our own strength fades. We just don't have enough to get it done. And once our willpower fades, eventually we have some sort of inevitable failure. We sin, we lose control, we, 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 we make a mistake, we stumble, we fall, we say the wrong things. We, 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 and, and after that inevitable, and I say inevitable because it is inevitable, it's an inevitable failure when you're relying on your own strength and willpower. After that, what do we experience? Tremendous guilt and shame which reinforces the belief that I'm never going to please God, that I'm never going to, I'm I'm always going to be this horrible person. And so what do we do? We try hard again. (laughs) To be something that we're not deep down, our distorted identity discourages us and it disrupts our ability to become who God is calling us to be. Amen. It's this pattern. It's this cycle of shame. And one day we wake up and we think, I just can't do it. I really can't do it. I I really can never be different. Something's wrong. Something's not right. Something's not working. Something's not right in my life. I would submit to you this morning that it's not something that you're missing, but it's someone that you're missing. And that someone you're missing comes with a power that you do not have on your own. The Apostle Paul was wrestling through his distorted identity when he comes upon the truth and he preaches to himself, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who's going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin? He's saying, who can help me change? Who can help me be different? Who can help me have a breakthrough? Who can help me honor God? He says this and answers his own question. 
He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friend, it is in Jesus Christ. It is a power that I do not have because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And this is the key. It starts with identity. Who you are when you're in Christ. It's, it's not about behavior. It's not about that. It's not about modifying our behavior. You can modify your behavior and get by, but all of a sudden that will fade and you'll come right back. What we're talking about What I'm talking about, what Paul is talking about, is a spiritual transformation. It's a spiritual transformation. It's not about you trying to be a better version of yourself. It's about a power that is greater than what you have, that changes you from the inside out and empowers you to become the person that God wants you to be. It starts with identity. It starts with identity. So the devil wants you to think that you are what you did. That you are bad because you failed. Listen, and I, if you don't hear anything else from me today, hear this right now. You are not what you did. You are not what you failed. You are not who others say you are. You're not even what that own voice of discouragement in your head that condemns you in your own mind says you are. My friend, you are who God says you are. And if you're in Christ, he says you're forgiven. You're free. He says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're an ambassador of the Most High God. You're called. You're set apart. You're not who the voice of the enemy says you are. You have the righteousness of God in Christ dwelling within you. And guess what? You can do all things, anything he calls you to do, through the power of Christ that gives you strength. When you know who you are and you know what to do, it's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation in how you see the core of your identity when you become a child of God. You're, you're not a better version of yourself. You're, you're, you're not. You're, what are you? You're different. You're new. The scripture says the old self is gone, and behold, because of Jesus, all things are become new. What is that? It's a transformation. You belong to Jesus when you recognize that you belong to Jesus. When it's not just a Sunday sermon or it's not just a Sunday school statement like, yeah, I'm a Christian, blah, 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 blah. When it becomes your identity, my friend, that changes everything. This is why that second birth is so essential. Because when you've been baptized in the only saving name and filled with his spirit, friend, you belong to Jesus. the family. You belong to Jesus. I wish somebody would say that right now. I belong to Jesus. Come on, say, I belong to Jesus. I want you to say it, but with faith. 
I want you to say it with conviction. I want you to maybe just close your eyes for a moment. You don't have to shout it. You don't have to run. You don't have to do anything. But just for a moment, close your eyes and say, I belong to Jesus. Come on, just say it. I belong to Jesus. Come on. E even if, e just feel it right now. I belong to Jesus. He is my source. He is my strength. He is everything. His power is made perfect in my weakness. I belong to Jesus. When you recognize that, that you belong to him, listen, you're no longer a slave to your sinful desires, but you're filled with the Spirit of God that gives you strength to overcome. It's the Spirit that gives you the strength to choose what you want most over what you want now. But, Bryce, how do we do this practically? How do we? How do we do this? How do we, how do we live this out when it's, when it's not church sermon time, but it's a Tuesday morning and somebody just cuts you off on the way to work and you want to be angry? How do, we, how do we do it this time when we're not gathered together and we're singing, blessed be the name of the Lord? Like, how do we do it on a Thursday afternoon? How practically, how do we live this out? Well, the Apostle Paul said this, our text, Galatians 5.16. He said this, so I say... Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Somebody say walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk in the Spirit. And when you do, when you walk in the Spirit, I like this. Paul says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does that, what does that mean? What is, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The the word in the Greek language is translated as flesh. It doesn't mean like your skin. It's the Greek word sarx, and it's used 147 different times in the New Testament. What that means is your sinful nature. It's your sinful desires. The Apostle Paul said elsewhere, he said, we put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, we don't put any confidence in our willpower. We don't put, we're going to walk in the Spirit. And whenever we're walking in the Spirit, when we're faithful to the direction of God, when we're empowered by the Spirit, we will not, not by willpower, but by spirit power, we will not gratify the desires of our sinful, fleshly nature. That word walk in the Greek is from, the, from a Greek word, and this is a present tense verb, and I, I like this. I like this. What it means is when it's a present tense verb, it means that it's a continual, continuous, regular action. It's a habitual life. Friend, when we talk about walking in the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, it's not a one-time 
event. It's not a Sunday event. It's an ongoing, habitual way of life. What are you doing? I'm waking up tomorrow morning, and I'm depending on the Spirit. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, well, I'm asking the Spirit to give me the words to say to that lost one. I'm asking the Spirit to give me wisdom in this situation. I'm asking the Spirit to give me power to say yes to what's right and no to what's wrong. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm asking the Spirit to give me the power to say, no, it's wrong. It's not my power. It's not my willpower. It's the power of the Spirit of God in me, and that's walking in the Spirit. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, and I'm going to talk to Him. I'm going to go about my day, and I'm going to talk to Him. I'm going to consider His voice. I'm going to lean upon His voice. I'm going to lean upon His Word. I'm going to make sure my life is lining up with His Word. I don't know if you've ever known, but Christians, we sometimes, uh, we have our own language, right? How you doing today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We communicate. It's like Christianese or something. Like, the, like you know, how you doing today? Brother, I am blessed and highly favored. It's our language. <laughs> We greet one another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's, it's, it's funny. One of the things Christians say that's, that's kind of funny, it's actually biblically accurate, but it's kind of funny. They'll, they'll say this a lot. They'll say, they'll be like, I'm about to take a big step of faith here. I'm about to take a big step of faith. We talked about it with this this whole building situation, like we're going to have to take a step, of, we're going to have to step out in faith. here. We say that a lot, right? That's, that's our language. We say, God has called me to take a step of faith. I'm going to take a step of faith, and it's going to be a big step of faith. I'm going to take the step of faith. What I want to do is I want to encourage you to please take a step of faith. Take a step of faith, but always take a step of faith. But hear me right now. Don't just take one. Take a step of faith that is followed by another step of faith, that is followed up by another step of faith, that is continued with another step of faith. And this continual habitual action of depending upon God, another step of faith. And friend, before long, once you're taking enough steps of faith, you're not living anymore according to sight, but you're walking according to the Spirit daily. And this sounds crazy, almost undoable. And in the beginning, until your identity is so formed, I belong to Jesus, that, that I just don't like, I don't just go to church and do the church thing, but outside these walls, my life is going to be pleasing, it's going to be honoring unto him that I need his presence every single day. God, guide my steps. I'm going to take a step of faith that's followed by another step of faith to where I'm walking in the Spirit. Moment by moment, it becomes a succession of steps when you're walking in the Spirit of God. And when you're walking in the Spirit of God, guess what? Bonus, you don't obey the desires of the flesh. 
It becomes a spiritual habit that's born out of a what? Spiritual identity. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. What's interesting as our music comes this morning, what's interesting to me is the metaphor. Notice what Paul said. He said, you're walking. I say walking. He didn't say running. He said, you're walking. In other words, it takes some time to get there. It takes some t- The challenge with what you want now, the, descent, the sinful desires, what you want now, I want it now. The challenge with what you want now is that almost always it has an immediate payoff, right? What you want now has an immediate gratification. The donut tastes good now. The cookie tastes good now. Sending that hateful text message feels good now. Right? It feels good now. Because the desires of the flesh have an almost immediate payoff. But the greater reward, said the greater reward, it almost always takes more time. What do you want most? Godly marriage, a rich, a rich spiritual legacy, a meaningful ministry. I want to be used by God. I want to make an impact. What do you want? Because the greater reward almost takes time. It always takes time. It's walking in the Spirit. Depending on God day by day, moment by moment, and it leads you, my friend, to a greater reward. I belong to Jesus. Somebody say, I belong to Jesus. It breaks the cycle. Instead of try hard, do hard, and the willpower wanes, and you fail, and you feel horrible, and the cycle goes on and on and on, instead it looks more like this. I belong to Jesus. And because I belong to him, I'm going to walk in his spirit. I'm going to depend upon him. Listen to me. When I'm weak, and you're going to be weak. When I'm weak in spirit, he's the one who helps me. It's not religious talk. It's none of that. It's spiritual transformation where we depend upon his spirit. And then what happens is this. It builds my faith because I know that he's with me wherever I go. And as I'm walking in his spirit, as I'm depending on his spirit, it builds my faith. And then what does it do? It empowers the right actions, which in turn does what? It makes me closer to him. And it reinforces the root identity that I am his and he is mine. Friend, you can change when your identity changes. But if it's all superficial, 
stuff, if you're not willing to get down to the root of it, which is an identity crisis that our that our country is facing, we don't know who we are. When we can't get down to that, we'll have the same old, same old. It's not behavior modification. It's genuine spiritual transformation that is empowered by a risen Savior. And then suddenly, thank God, you're not shame-driven. You've got to try harder, got to do harder, but instead you're spirit-led. You're spirit-led. Stand with me this morning. And then here's the key. We're not striving and living for future results that are way out there. You ever talk to somebody and invite them to church and be like, oh, I, uh, there's so many things broken in my life that I've got to get all of this together before I could ever come do that. I've got to, uh, I've got to, I've got, and they're looking for results that are way out there. The key is we're not striving and living for the future results way out there. When I finally get married one day, when my kids are finally grown, when I, when I finally lose those pounds I've been talking about one day, when I finally get this taken care of, when I finally pay off my student loan, we're not living for the results that are far out in the future. We're living from an identity that is today, an identity that drives action, and this action creates results. What do you do? You wake up one day and you say, I belong to Jesus. And because I belong to Jesus, I'm not trying to read my Bible. And I'm not trying to pray so much. And I'm not trying. No, 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 no. Because I belong to Jesus, I want to read his word. I want to pray. I want to spend time in his presence. And as we get to know him, it reinforces our identity. I'm becoming more like him. It's his likeness that we're after. We were made in the image of God. We lost the likeness in the garden. We're after his likeness. We're trying to be, we're trying to be made more like him. Listen, none of us in this room have the willpower to become who we're supposed to become. None of us. You don't have what it takes to become the person that you were called to be. Here's a little secret for you. And trust me, it's a life-changing secret. Self-control. You want that? Discipline. We're talking about the gift of discipline this morning. You know what that is? That's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of your willpower. It's not a fruit of your strength. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what else? Self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And that's how you change. You want to change? You want something different this year? Walk in the Spirit. Not by willpower, but by the power of the Spirit that dwells in me. I know this time of year is popular for some to stand up and say, this is the year of breakthrough. 
This is the year of prosperity. This is the year of promotion. 2022 is the year. I urge you to be wary of those that just say that. I do believe in breakthrough. Don't get me wrong. But breakthrough doesn't come because of a date on a calendar. It comes through obedience. It comes through discipline. It comes through consistency. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes in this place. I just ask you, encourage you. Would you be sensitive to the spirit that is moving in this room right now and just ask God, would you just, God, would you just, God, just, God, just, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you begin a string of miracles in people who need your power. God, there are those in this room right now who say there is something that we really want. There is something that we that we do want most and that we want to change in this area and that we want something to be different in our life. And so, Father, we're going to approach change in a way perhaps different than we ever have before. Not by just trying and hoping, but learning what your word says and starting with identity, God. We belong to you. And God, because we belong to you, I pray that you would help us to depend upon your spirit. Teach us, God, moment by moment, day after day. We know we won't always get it right, but when we fail, we don't run from you, but we run to you. God, teach us to walk in the Spirit, moment by moment, depending upon you, so we won't gratify the desires of our sinful flesh, God. But instead, we would honor you in all that we do. Come on, lift up your hands, lift up your voice. Would you receive it in Jesus' name right now? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.